Father, it's our desire to delight in you. It's our desire to know Christ. And it's our desire to walk in your spirit. As we interact with your word and its application in our life this morning, and then reflect on Christ through communion after we interact with your word. We want to be sensitive to your work in us. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So we consider some scripture this morning and look at some applications. We'd like for you to be thinking about Christ. And a little later we'll be having communion together, but reflecting upon Christ as shepherd. When we come to faith in Christ, he becomes our shepherd, and then God has placed other shepherds into our life. Might be myself as a pastor, might be an elder, might be a husband, might be a mom and a dad. You know, that God has placed into our lives to shepherd. And in light of that, I have several containers of water here with some detergent in each container. In this bag, I have three cloths. All three of these cloths are somewhat messy and dirty. And I'll try not to get too dirty. The first, one's I'm, first one I'm going to lay there on the table. The second one is also dirty. I'm going to fold up and I'm going to place it in this first container of water. And I'm going to leave it in the container of water as we speak. <clears throat> the third one is, again, dirty with the same type of dirt from the garden. And this one here I'm going to put in the second container of water, you know, and I'm going to just, you know, squish it around every now and then throughout the sermon. And I'm going to illustrate those three items as we conclude our discussion this morning. Scripture clearly indicates and communicates that believers are to be taught. They're to learn doctrine, know what to believe. Scripture clearly teaches that believers are to be rebuked. They're to be shown wrong. As sheep, we do wonder. Also, Scripture clearly communicates that we are to be Corrected, we're to be shown how to correct our wrong. And the idea of correction would be tied in with what Dixie went through, fell and fractured her hip. So what did they do? They corrected it. They put some pins in. We need that. Scripture also communicates that we need training in righteousness. That is how to live out doctrine and what we believe. The Ten Commandments are thou shall or thou shall not. And they can, they're listed in one chapter in the Bible. But the Ten Commandments are expanded upon in chapter after chapter how they look in situations in life. Proverbs deals with wisdom. Wisdom is basically skill in life. But Proverbs is how to live skillfully, how to apply wisdom. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul, in writing to Timothy, tells Timothy to teach, to rebuke, to exhort. You know, get the teaching down, but also the rebuking and exhorting is needed. 
James 1, 22 through 27, James says, don't merely be doers of the word. I'm sorry, don't be merely hearers of the word, but doers also. So as we think about Mark chapter 6, which we have discussed in recent weeks, some doctrine that is found in Mark chapter 6 is that Jesus sent the 12. Jesus sent the 12 two by two with authority over evil spirits. Mark 6, beginning with the middle of verse 6. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet. When you leave, as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Doctrine. He sent the 12 out two by two with authority over evil spirits. We find in verse 12 that the 12 obeyed. They The 12 apostles went out and preached that people should repent. We find also in this passage there is persecution. Death are possible for those who are disciples or followers of Christ. We won't read the account, but in verses 14 through 29, the account of John the Baptist being beheaded is given. Now remember, John the Baptist is a forerunner of Jesus. That goes back to Mark chapter 1. So John the Baptist is a forerunner of Jesus. He prepared the way for Jesus. Here, he's preparing the way for Jesus too because what happens to John the Baptist? He's beheaded. What happens to Jesus? He is crucified. And in the context, in the flow of the passage, Jesus is saying, you as my followers should expect persecution and death. It's part of the walk with Christ. That's doctrine. We find also in verse 30 that reporting is part of being sent by Christ. In verse 30 of Mark 6, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So they are sent, they're obedient, and then they come back and they report what has happened. Also in terms of doctrine, Jesus and his being His character involves being compassionate, a trainer, powerful, wise, and dependent, is presented in 36 through, or 32 through 46. Notice in verse 31, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot ahead, or ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Part of the character 
The identity, the being of Jesus is that he is compassionate on those who are like sheep without a shepherd. Also in the passage, he becomes a trainer. The 12 come to him in verse 36 and say, you know, it's late. Send the people away. And what is Jesus' reply in verse 37? You give them something to eat. He's training them. He's challenging them. You're going to feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. Well, they didn't even know what they had, you know. But he's training them. You feed them. We also see that he is powerful in the context. Verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Ever think about Jesus? Just keep breaking and breaking and breaking and fed 5,000. Let's say he's pretty powerful. He is wise. Notice in verse 45, Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up, into the, went up on the mountainside to pray. Now, remember, as I mentioned last week, basically, they wanted to make Jesus a king, according to John 6, after feeding the 5,000. So in wisdom, he sends them away. He disperses the crowd, but before he disperses the crowd, he sends the 12 on a boat knowing that they're going to get into a storm. So their obedience resulted in difficulty. And then he lets them out there in the sea under the third watch of the night. So probably send them out somewhere 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the evening and let them battle on rough waters until the final watch of the night, somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. We also find doctrine in light of this passage that being with Jesus is vital to being a disciple of Jesus. That's brought out in 30 through 56. Being with Jesus is vital to being a disciple of Jesus. And then also doctrine, challenge of the seemingly impossible and obedience are part of discipleship. When Jesus said in verse 37, you give them something to eat, how are the 12 going to have enough food to feed 5,000? Looks impossible. In verse 47, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. He sent them to the lake to cross, knowing there was going to be difficulty. He challenged them with the seemingly impossible and with obedience. Now, going back to this cloth in here, you know, I want to just work it a little more and see what's happening, you know, because the cloth is in the water. You know, it's with the water and with the soap. So I just want to, you know, let it be with it a little more and work it a little more. And again, we'll come back to that in a few moments. Now, in light of this doctrine, we want to look at some rebuke and some training from Mark 6. Jesus called the 12 to be with him. 
He didn't call them to fill their head with knowledge. He called them to be with him. He calls husbands and wives to be with one another. Genesis 2, 24, Therefore shall man leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Ephesians 5, he talks about the husband-wife relationship that they are to represent or picture Christ in the church. He calls parents to be with their children for teaching and training. Deuteronomy 6, as Israel is spoken to, Parents are to be with their children, you know, when they walk, when they sit, when they rise, when they lie down, just to teach God's word. Ephesians 6 and verse 4, no, it talks about a father not provoking his children to wrath, but bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about a mother responding to her children and a father responding to his children. He calls local church shepherds to be with believers. Acts 20, 25 through 31, they're to shepherd the flock. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4, again, they're to shepherd the flock. They're to be examples. I'm not to spend all my time as a local church shepherd sitting in my study and studying. I'm to be with you. So that's why I spent some time with Ron and Dixie on Thursday. Had another call this week late at night and went to be with a family because I as a shepherd am to be with the sheep. I can't be with all of you 24 hours a day, that's obvious. But in life, I'm to be with you and the same being true of church leaders. I would pose a question, a thought question, not looking for a response. How much time are you with your mate, your children, your parents, your sheep, or your shepherd. I've asked myself, in light of Jesus calling the twelve to be with him, and how that is emphasized in marriage, how it's emphasized between parents and children, what does it mean to be with? Being with involves... I think going back to Genesis chapter 1, it involves total openness, delighting in each other, unity in planning. Back in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, we find that Scripture says, God said, let us make man in our image. Now pose a question. What did God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit do for the eternity before they created the heavens and the earth? you study scripture, they were with each other, delighting in one another and enjoying one another. And then creation comes along, they plan together. We'll make man, male and female, in our image. They were with one another in eternity past. I think it also involves total openness, delighting each other, unity in planning, and fulfilling God's given, God-given roles in a relationship. In Genesis 2.25, what does Scripture say? The man and the woman were naked 
and they were not ashamed. Now, as you study the context, the nakedness is not merely a physical nakedness. They were totally open with one another. They were delighting in one another. They were delighting in their creator. They were with each other. Ruthann and I were married for a number of years, and one day Ruthann came to me and said, Dan, can I tell you something? Yeah. She said, are you sure you can tell, or I can tell you something? Yes. Are you sure you won't get angry at me? No. Are you sure I can tell you this? She was really being emphatic, you know, that whether or not she could share. I said, honey, yes, you may share with me. And she shared something with me that I did not know. Very traumatic for her. Something that she had been through in her life. And my response, I can't remember the exact words. I think I told her, don't worry about it. I love you. I care for you. No matter what, I'm committed to you. But what were we experiencing at that point in time? Openness. We're moving towards God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And in Genesis 2.25, he's talking about an openness that is going to be present because it involves being with. And we know immediately after, well, not immediately, but soon after that, the serpent came on the scene, and what did he do? He tempted Eve, and that openness, that oneness, that caring for one another was broken, and they started to hide. And we've been battling with that ever since. Obviously, the above definition involves being with. Just time together. Jesus called the 12 to be with him. He fed the 5,000. They were with him. He sent them out on the boat intentionally to train them. And then he came to them and he was with them. Please ponder the value of being with someone. Not merely in their presence, but living life together. And if we're not careful, we can spend a lot of time together alone. Again, the question, how much time are you with your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, with sheep if you're a leader, and with a shepherd. Please consider in our world today what lures us from being with people and also enables us to hide. Television. I'm not knocking all these items, but television is a way to be together alone. Or you sit and watch the same program, but you're still alone. Or how about the computer? You can spend hours playing a game on the computer and then a family member may be spending hours playing on the computer. You're together alone. 
How about email? I'm not opposed to email. But email allows you to be passing information, but communication is limited. The other day I was talking to Ron, and Ron said, Pastor, did you hear about? And even before I answered, he said, I can see by your response that you didn't. But if we were emailing, that communication is lacking. Oh, how much I need to see my wife's expressions and she needs to see my expressions. That's part of communication. That's part of being with. Again, nothing wrong with email, but it does affect how we communicate. How about DVDs and movies? Again, we can be together, but alone. Jesus called the 12 to be with him. Please don't get upset when I use my next illustration about texting. Can you imagine Jesus and the 12 walking along and Jesus pulls out his you know, phone and Peter. And Peter pulls his out and he, Jesus. And he says, I'm done with Peter now. So he, pulls, he says, now John. And we laugh about that and I'm not knocking texting. I'm merely saying the world lures us to be together alone. Sports. We can watch a child, we can watch a family member out playing on the field, but we're together alone. And I'm not knocking sports. That's not my point. I just want us to think about what Jesus called us to school. We ship a kid off to school, and we're not with them. And I'm not knocking schools. Jobs. We go to our jobs. We're not together. iPods. You can have a family working together alone because everybody got their iPod and got something in their ear. I'm not criticizing these items, please understand. But I want you to see how the enemy has lured us to be together alone. Jesus called 12 to be with him. God in eternity past with Jesus and the Holy Spirit were together, interacting openly and so on. And the same with concerning Jesus and the twelve. I'm of the opinion that one of Satan's greatest tools in our culture today is to lure us from being with Christ, being with our mate, being with our children, our parents, our fellow believers, or pastor or elders. Jesus called 12 to be with him. Now again, taking this cloth, you know, we need to massage it a little. It's in the soap and in the water, you know, we're just working it a little and then we'll put it back in the water. Now coming from Mark chapter 6. some training from Mark 6. Jesus sent out 12 to minister. Then he has them report what they did. We should seek to call people to be with us, send them into ministry of daily life, and finally have them report what they did, how God worked. God calls people to be with but then send 
and then report. Now think about this application or some applications in the following situations. That is parents teaching, training children. Being with children, but also sending them and then reporting them. So you sit down with your child, formally, informally. You talk to them about school. You talk to them about friendship. You ship them off to school. After talking some Proverbs, they come home from school and you say, well, how'd today go? Yesterday you told me you had a hard time with a friend. You were being tempted to go along with the crowd. And I gave you some instruction. I told you some scripture. How'd today go? Well, today didn't go very good because I gave in to peer pressure and did wrong. That's reporting. How'd you do in your test? Oh, I did good in my test. I studied. I really studied hard. Well, that's what I taught you, wasn't it? So it's reporting. Being with, to teach, to train, to send into daily life. I'm talking daily life. I'm not talking some mission field and so on, other than maybe school or with friends and so on. And then reporting how it went. I think that's coming from Mark, chapter 6, being with, being sent, and then reporting. So when my father said to me years ago when I was going to go out with a guy named Tim, Dan, you know he's not a good influence. You better be careful tonight. Now, he already taught me about friends. So I came home. Well, the next morning, Dad went to bed. If we get home at midnight, fine. If we get home at 2 o'clock, fine. If we get home at 4 o'clock, he wouldn't know the difference. He was sleeping. You know, we kind of knew when we should be home. But the next morning, Dad says, Dan, how'd last night go with your friend Tim? That's reporting. That's part of living. How does it apply to pastor, elders, leading believers? Some of you at times have shared prayer concerns. I do pray for you, and you will find many times I will ask you how you're doing. That's reporting. If you expect me to pray for you, and you expect me to give you input on how to live, then expect me to ask you how it's going. That's part of being with. And if I don't ask you, you better come to me and say, Pastor, what's wrong? I shared something with you. You told me you would pray. Are you going to ask me how I'm doing? That's part of reporting. Same being true with an elder, a Sunday school teacher, and so on. How would it apply to Sunday school one and teens? You know, the reporting aspect, being with, reporting. You ever think about it in daily life in terms of an employer? So you're an employer. You teach someone how to to work. Hopefully they came with some idea how to work because mom and dad has been teaching them. But you teach them how to do a particular job. And they may say, ah, oh, I can't do that. Sure you can. Try it. And boss leaves them alone. And the boss checks up on them later, you know, reporting. Ah, oh, this isn't done right. So boss talks to the guy, the lady and says, here's what you did wrong, here's the mistake, here's how you do it the next time. 
And because you're open to receiving this rebuke, I'm going to give you a 50 cent an hour raise. You say, Pastor, you're crazy. That person doesn't need a verbal lashing, doesn't need fire. You're trying to train them. They're reporting. Help them to develop in their life. Just the idea, again, of being with in daily living. As we wrap it up, I have three cloths here. The first cloth is a sheep. But it's the sheep is alone, never with the shepherd. So it'll always be the way it is. The second cloth represents again a sheep. But it is with the shepherd. It's been laying in the shepherd, laying in the water. But you will find that as I pull it up, it's still pretty yucky. Been with the shepherd, but only with the shepherd. The third one is representing a sheep who is with the shepherd. Let the water, soapy water, represent Christ, who has been taught, who has been sent, who has been reporting, and that's why I massage the cloth, and you will find it's pretty clean. I think that's God's design. We were never designed to be alone. We were never designed to merely be with Christ. We're designed to be with Christ, to be taught, to be trained, to be sent, and to report. And in the process, we grow and mature. But we still remain sheep who have struggles. Are you a sheep? Responding to the shepherd or shepherds that God has placed over you. The 12 are learning to respond. If you're a shepherd in any capacity, a husband, a father, a mother, Sunday school teacher, myself as a pastor, an elder, are we shepherding our sheep by being with them? Let's pray together.